1: So the first question I have is, how is the creation of Diamond Star Halos different or similar to previous Def Leppard albums?
2: It's massively different. Um, it was going to start off the same way that we've always done everything, because up until lockdown, the pandemic, that's what life was. You just did what you did. And what we always did was, when we were deciding to record, or if we had the, thought we had material to record... We'd discuss how much we had. We'd figure out what we wanted to do. And then we would probably, most nine times out of 10, come to my studio in Dublin um, because it's convenient. You know, they don't even really have to bring anything other than a toothbrush because I've got a set of Phil's guitars and a set of Vivian guitars. So everything's all kind of ready to go. We kind of rapidly came up with this whole new plan of recording remotely because in the 40 minutes that me and Phil spoke we'd figured out that he'd written two, he'd co-written two that weren't even planned for a Def Leppard record, but he'd just written them anyway. So I'd written three, and there was an old song of Phil's that I'd been dying for us to do, so I threw that into the pile. And I think because it was so uniquely different and like, okay, this is kind of exciting, really, that we've opened up all our avenues of, of of exploration, if you like, and anything was was open. It was a total, put it on the table and we'll make it work. So there was no peer pressure of, you know, when, when four guys, five guys are in a room together and you go, I've got an idea, you're always aware of the fact that everybody else is kind of focusing in on what you've just said and it better be damn good. But with th- doing it this way, there was all the pressure was off because – It didn't matter whether it was a success or a failure. We were just going to try to do something that we'd dabbled in in the past, which is remote uh, recording. But we'd never gone 100% full on into making what turned out to be an album because as lockdown kept getting moved from the week to the month to two months to three months, and we obviously figured out that the tour was not going to happen, we were just constantly in contact with each other literally three four five times a day more than we would have been if we'd have probably been in the same building and we just figured well we've got these songs and the that initial seven once sav got brought into the equation became nine and we thought okay well we're really on a good roll here and as the album progressed as we the recording sessions progressed me and phil we wrote five completely remotely not even this technology we never used zoom once did we 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 used the phone we sent mp3s as as emails and the 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 most intriguing and important part of the whole process was ronan McHugh, our engineer co-producer he's got his own little studio and once we brought him into the equation and said look this is how we're planning on doing it he literally said piece of piss easy no problem He's got his own studio. He built a session for, you know, 2020 sessions or whatever it was called at the time. And literally, as he got each song demo, he would build a session and we would send everything to him and he would glue it all together.
3: This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Poony. Now, crank it up.
4: Hollywood, we've hit December, which means that this is the end of the year and the end of our Def Leppard album series. Man, can you believe we started this thing all the way back in January? And just like the Van Halen episodes, it's already at an end. Can you believe it? It took a lot longer with these
0: albums because I like <laughs> most of the Van Halen albums. Some of these were rough. Ooh.
4: Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think the majority of the listeners would agree with that. So uh, I'll just give you a little stat here. So the first four to five albums that we reviewed, the listenership was really good. And then when we got to some of these other (laughs) records after that, the listenership went diving off a cliff. Help me. We still got a lot of participation, and I think some of these later albums were a lot more fun to talk about because they weren't the love fest that the first three, four records were. So I think that overall, it was a great series. And when we started this series, we really had no intention or knowledge for that fact that Def Lepper was going to release an album a new album in the year. So when we started the series, Diamond Star Halos, which is the record that we're going to review today, wasn't part of our list. Originally, we, we had 12 records. But we weren't going to do Diamond Star Halos because we didn't know about it. And we weren't going to do retroactive because we said, you know, it's just a B-sides record. And there's some songs that are repeated on there. And we just didn't feel like it was important enough to review. And then we got a whole bunch of people going, oh, man, you're not going to talk about retroactive. Guess what? Maybe you'll get a bonus gift a little bit later on. But right now. We're going to talk about this new record that they just put out called Diamond Star Halos. And unlike a lot of the other records, in fact, the other series of records that we did both last year and this year, it's just you and I to talk about this. We don't have a special guest to separate us in the fighting
0: ring, right? Yeah, I don't think we wanted to put anybody through this pain. A spoiler here. Diamond Star Halos ain't going to be in my top 10 at the end of the year. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) And
4: do you think... Right off the top of your head, that's because we just haven't spent the amount of time that
0: we've spent with these other Def Leppard records that have been out for years. No, it's got nothing to do with that because all the new records that came out in 2022 pretty much got the same amount of time, right? Some got more than others just because it came out earlier. But compared to some of the stuff that came out this year, this is fine for a Def Leppard album, but it does not compare to some of the great stuff that came out this year. <laughs> Well, I feel like I gave this
4: record a fair shot and I listened with open ears. So I think that I'm going to be the same with this record as I have been with pretty much the rest of the records that we've reviewed. We'll get to all of that. Before we get too deep in the weeds with this record, we're going to do a special Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, which we haven't done with most of these series records. But since it's just Sonny and I talking about Diamond Star Halo's why not
3: it's time for the crank it up new music spotlight
4: so tonight's crank it up new music spotlight comes to us from the band Wildness and their new album Resurrection this is a song off that record called Love Resurrection check it out we'll come back and talk about it in a minute
0: So when this Wildness album came out a couple of weeks ago, I listened to it. Like this song, Simple Riff, it's got, you know, and it's great. It's a simple riff and it's great. It fits. It's got the 80s feel for sure. But this song is just like every other song on that record. There's no punch. Like there's nothing to hate about any of the songs on that record. But the problem is there's like nothing to love about it either. It's just kind of there. It's okay, but it just wasn't anything special.
4: I tend to agree with you. So I discovered this band. They showed up on my playlist a couple of times a few years back. And I went and I picked up the record Ultimate Demise, which was their last record. And I really liked that record. That record has some really good stuff on it. Then I went back to the first record, which was just called The Wildness. And there's some good stuff on that record as well, but it's a different singer. So they got one singer on the first record, the debut record. They switched over to a new singer for The Ultimate Demise, and then the new singer is still the same guy on this new record, Resurrection. For me, this record falls a little bit flat. I like this song, but I'm with you. There's just, it's lacking a little something. But I do like that record, Ultimate Demise. So I would tell people, if you're at all interested in this band, start with that record, uh, and then you can work your way to this new record. That would be my suggestion.
3: Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock.
4: All right, so let's start our main discussion about Diamond Star Halos. Let's get into some basic facts about this record. As we said, it was released this year. It was released in May of this year. The total length of the record is 61 minutes, which as we get into this, you're going to hear this a lot from me, but this record is so... Long, Way, way, way too long. And I don't care if they got the room to use it. They shouldn't have used it. In my opinion, as we get through this record, I think probably if they would have taken the eight best songs on this record and just released an eight song record, they would have been way better off. Producers Def Leppard and Rome McHugh, again, Again, we've said it in the past, Rome McHugh is basically the head engineer for Joe Elliott's studio, which they refer to as Joe's Garage. The singles from Diamond Star Halos were Kick, they released that first, then they moved to Take What You Want, and then they uh, released Fire It Up, those were the singles off this record. I think I've read a few reviews where it's kind of mixed. There's a lot of people that really think this record is really great. And then there's a lot of people that are just very met on it. Let me ask you this, Sonny. We live in a world today where bands, these legacy bands, there are some of them out there that just tour on all the hits and they never put out any new music and they never put out any albums. And then we've got bands like Def Leppard that are still putting out albums today but people are mixed on the reactions. They may play one or two new tunes in concert, but mostly it's the hits. Do you think that they should release new music or just not release new music ever again?
0: Yeah, to me, a legacy band that is uber popular, okay? So let me quantify that by saying Kiss Def Leppard, Motley Crue, The Who, Rolling Stones, a Zeppelin, if they come back, they do not need to release new music. Paul Stanley is dead on right. New music is never going to compete with what made them huge. Conversely, Striper? Yeah, they did okay, but they never got to Kiss level or the Who level. They can continue to write new music and it will get a chance and people will like it and they'll be able to play it live and people will love it. Y&T can still do it if they wanted to. Dawkins could still do it. Rat could still do it. Warren can still do it. Those guys are mid-level bands. First of all, they're making their living based on what they're making on whatever record sales they're getting and getting, you know, some uh, advances on making records. But those fans will give that new music a shot because they're not attached to just pour some sugar on me and photograph. You get what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, I I completely understand what you're saying. But then let me play Delville's Advocate a little bit. I mean, I don't know about you, but usually when these bands release albums, I can always find something that I would consider a really good tune off these records. And also, I kind of feel like it's a little bit lazy. I mean, these guys are musicians. These guys are artists. They're supposed to be creating. I would almost rather somebody create something and let me decide whether I like it or not like it and then take, take what I want from that. I mean, look, We're going to talk about something tonight off this record that I think is one of the best Def Leppard rock songs they've written in, I don't know how many years, 20 years. So if they don't put out new music anymore, I don't get that tune.
0: So what? It's not going to make or break whether you go see them live, is it? Well, no, but is any record going to make or break? And that's why you don't need it. But then couldn't you
4: say the same about the Stripers and the Rats and the Warrants?
0: The difference there is they go and play that new stuff. I love seeing Striper and them adding two or three songs off the new album. Shit, Maiden still doesn't. Maiden doesn't have to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, perfect example, but Def Leppard does add two or three new songs usually. Yeah, I just don't know if they'll get the flavor. I don't personally need it. Then, yeah. For me, Kiss is the perfect example. I don't need another Kiss album. To me, Hall of Notes is a perfect example. I don't need another Hall of Notes album. Just come play, and I'll come see you once every couple of years. All right. Fair enough. So
4: let's talk a little bit about the album artwork. How do you feel about this album artwork? It's
0: kind of all over the place, isn't it? I just kind of stared at it for a while, and I'm like, all right. So you got kind of this all-seeing guy. You got the black and white, except for the logo, which is in color. But they have several different album covers, so I'm just kind of talking about the one that I saw. But there's a lot of Asian feel to the cover. Like, there's like a genie thing coming out of the lamp, the smiling moon. Like, the whole aura feels like a place where you would see somebody, like, belly dancing. Like, that's kind of what I got from it.
4: Right, 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 right. Yeah, I get that uh,
0: that feeling as well. Right, like it's the carpet on the floor that the person's belly dancing on.
4: And did you notice within the eye uh, has the kind of bullseye thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very Middle Eastern flavor. I get that same flavor as well. It's interesting. It's one of the more interesting album covers they've had in a while, I think. Yeah, I agree
0: with that for sure.
2: We'll never go back to recording yeah. uh, the traditional way ever again because it's so much more fun to do this.
0: It's It was liberating, absolutely liberating. All right, so 15 tracks. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> the first track take what you want. So here's kind of my thoughts on it. To me, it kind of felt like a modernized pyromania tune. The vocal's not that aggressive, but the guitars are kind of like healthy in the mix. I like the verses. I like the big backing vocals. Chorus is good. And there's a couple of good guitar solos. So I'm like, when I heard this song, because this was not the first single, but when I heard this song, I was like, oh, okay, I can get behind this. I didn't like really the first song they released, but I could definitely get behind that.
4: Yeah, for me, this is the song I was talking about. So it was the second single that they released. Kick is kind of what you would expect from them these days. It has that whole glam rock feel to it. And we'll get to that in a minute. But Take What You Want, for me, is probably one of the best rock songs they've written in years. This song actually got me excited. And I like what you said, a modern version of something that would be on Pyromania. Like I, I think that that's dead on. And I like that a lot. I really, really like that song, man. And if they would have given me eight of these songs, this record would have been way up in the uh, rankings for me because that would have been awesome. But yeah, for me, written by Joe Elliott and Rick Savage, which is interesting that none of the guitar players were involved in a pretty guitar heavy song, killer
0: song. Love it. And great way to kick off this record for me. So, Second track talking about kicking off the record is Kick. This was the first thing we heard off this new album, and I remember hearing it going, oh my God, here's this goddamn 70s glam sound, which I'm not in love with normally anyway. The whole song basically sounds like T-Rex. I like the pace, don't get me wrong there, and it's pop and it's radio catchy, but you got to admit, that chorus is fucking cheesy as hell. So I don't know who the hell Dave Bassett is, but if he's to blame for the chorus, just fire that dude.
4: Yeah. So one of the things I think you're going to find with this record is there's a lot of co-writers outside the band that are, that are writing with the band and this song, because I know what a big fan Joe Elliott is of that glam sound, but he wasn't involved in this song. It's Dave Bassett, who I'm, I'm with you. I don't know who that is. And Phil Collins, like I said before, it's kind of what you would expect from Def Leppard these days, because I know that they like a lot of that glam sound and it's okay. They've I mean, they've written this song so many times before. You can't tell me that you don't hear a similar song like "Kick" on just about every one of their records after uh, "Hysteria." Yeah, very true.
5: Yeah, and um, "Kick" was the last song to come in. You know, um, I was—I actually was writing with, with some other guys, um, that one was with Dave Bassett, um, and we were trying to. I'm always trying to write a classic, at stadium anthem. You know, in in the we will rock you, I love rock and roll ca- kind of vibe, and they're the hardest songs to write because you know you you need integrity and you need vibe when you do something like that, and um a lot of the time they just sound you know fake and just nonsense. So that was it, and I kind of based it on on a kind of a Slade, Gary Glitter, T Rex, mop the hoople type thing. That was the, that was the thing, the, the the kind of reference. So I had a drum pattern that I that I kind of programmed in in this kind of uh, BPM structure and then I was just playing riffs over the top of it and then that riff come and then I had a basic idea for the for the kick thing and and we said to Dave yeah it's it's got to be like that and all of a sudden he started flowing uh, like me and Joe do we we, we had a, a similar thing going and um he come with this great riff for the intro that sounded like Eddie Cochran that I would never have played and and it started turning into this thing and it was going to be for someone else. And I played it at Joe and he said, are you insane? This is a Def Leppard song. We have to do this. He said, play it to the other guys just to, to make sure that they got back, Sav got back immediately, said, sugar, anyone? Because Pour Some Sugar On Me was the last track we did for Hysteria. And we essentially finished the album and, and Joe had come up with Pour Some Sugar On Me. And, it, and that got recorded in 10 days. So we done this one fairly quick as well. You know, everyone started putting their parts on, on kick and it just it absolutely was a, is a Def Leppard song.
0: To fire it up, so you got dirty, grittier riff, a little bit of a groove. You know, you kind of start noticing. All right, three songs in a row. Joe sounds pretty good. All songs are very Def Leppard, which is kind of cool. Like the verse melody here. I like the tone Joe's using on the vocal, and another great set of guitar solos. The only thing I don't like about this song, which I'm going to blame this Sam Sam Hollander dude, since I don't know who the hell that is, that <laughs> ha ha higher, ha ha higher. I'm like, dude. God. What who the hell came up with that? Like it was a great song. What the hell did you do that
4: for? Uh something else bothers me about this song. I don't like the course very much. It's not pleasant to my ears, whatever the chord structure they're following in that course. And I just don't I don't like it. Like I like the main riff in the beginning of the song. I like the song is pretty okay for me overall, but something turns me off about that course you know i just don't dig it so i'll blame sam hollander as well because i don't know who he is so uh sam hollander it's your fault yeah
6: Raise it up another level. A young street apostles with a hallelujah pedals Creatures in the bleachers keep on dancing with the devil. Swinging with the king like an Elvis made of velvet. Bring the big beat back. Bring the big beat back. Cradle to the stadium, burning on the pavement. Fishing for religion, on a mission, salvation. This is the soundtrack, wicked generation. Bring the big beat back. Bring the big beat back.
0: All right, so the fourth song we got is called This Guitar Featuring Alan Krause. So I'm listening to the album. I see the title come up. I see it says Featuring Alan Krause. I'm like, oh no, here we go. Now, I don't know a ton about Alison Krause, except she, she did a bunch of stuff with Robert Plant. I was not in love with a lot of that stuff, and I don't know if it was Plant. I don't know if I, I was expecting something different. So I kind of went to this song going, oh my God, here we go. After listening to the song several times, here's kind of my thoughts. First of all, Alison Krauss can fucking sing. God damn, does she have a beautiful voice. I did not hear that when she was doing that stuff with Plant. And then the Joe Allison third voice that gets created when they're singing together is really good. The song is like, it's a country song with like a hint of like jazz guitar and jazz fills. And I will tell you overall, I just got goosebumps. This song absolutely fucking works. It's got 1990s number one hit written all over it. Would have been just as big as something like Sometimes Love Just Ain't Enough with Patty Smythe, Don Henley, which is song I loved also. This is that good. It fucking amazed me how good this song was. Wow. Okay, well, uh, I should go back and listen to
4: this <laughs> Because you said it sucks. <laughs> so, I did say it sucks. Uh, <laughs> this song written by C.J. Vanston and Phil Collin. I said, okay, it's an okay blues tune. It's definitely a little bit different than anything you've heard Leopard do in the past. I completely respect Alison Krauss. I think she is an amazing singer. And anybody that knows Allison Krause can chime in on this. I'm not real familiar with her, but I believe she, her fame comes from a bluegrass background. I think she was in bluegrass. I may be wrong, please correct me, but that's what I want to lean towards. And the song is just sort of meh for me. There was nothing that really grabbed me or anything like that. Again, it's a slower tune. No surprise there that slower tunes don't really sit with me. I didn't hate it. I definitely didn't hate it. I just thought it was... It was okay. It's just a little different than what Leopard does when that comes to slower tunes because, I don't know, would you call this a ballad? It's a
0: ballad, but it's not about love or heartbreak, really. Yeah, fair enough. Okay.
5: Sav played um, acoustic 12-string guitar on, on the song This Guitar, and his fingers were bleeding. So normally, we'd all be waiting around for him, and he's like, oh, my fingers are, I can't play bass on that. But in the meantime, we didn't even know that was happening because you know I was doing guitars, Joe was doing vocals, we would send them in and no one actually saw Sam's fingers bleeding except for him. So my point is, you know, everyone would put their 100% in and it would be a collective. It's almost like some spiritual thing just floating into this, this place and, and it would just get finished that way. So the whole thing was all based on inspiration and none of this, the flow being stopped by waiting around or, or whatever that would happen in the physical universe, you know?
6: See
0: All right, so we go, in my opinion, from this amazing song to a song called SOS Emergency. All right, so the guitar riff starts. I'm like, all right, we're about to get a great song. And then I was incorrect (laughs) because the rest of the song's okay. It's just not great, and the chorus is just absolutely flat to me. I think it's partially because seeing SOS Emergency and because it's a combination of an Eclipse title and a heat title, I was like, oh my God, this song is going to be awesome. And it was basically bad hysteria filler to me. Okay. So
4: my notes on this is that it's a good tune and it's catchy.
0: I felt like
4: after the mood of the album was kind of bought down with this guitar, the SOS emergency sort of picked up the record a little bit. I mean, it's along the lines of sort of pop rock leopard. I thought it was fairly catchy. I liked the the groove in it. Yeah, I, I didn't mind this song actually.
0: <laughs> On opposite ends, of course.
4: <laughs> yes.
0: So song number six, we get liquid dust. And as soon as the song started, I was like, okay, here comes the weird, right? The pace and the feel, the song drags a bit. Joe's almost whining in the vocal. I like the doubled vocal in the verses, but besides that, the song is kind of meh. It kind of fell into that slang X euphoria weirdness. And I'm like, Phil. You were the only one that wrote this, what the hell are you doing?
4: said meh don't like the course i really don't like that course for liquid dust this song doesn't do much for me i have to say
0: (laughs) all right so song number seven right as i saw the title i'm like really guys so the title is you rock me but it's a letter u r o k m i aren't these guys like 70 like come on like right so i'm like well maybe it's like Japanese inspired or something. So I'm thinking, all right, well, Sav starts with the bass. All right, that's interesting. It feels a little glammy, but then the chorus was again flat. I like the verses, but for some reason, I'm like, well, did Leopard forget how to write a chorus in two songs? Like, even the breakdown thing before the solo was a complete waste of time, but then the guitar solos were great. So it's like, it's just not a well written Def Leppard song to me. It's just not a well written song, period. And I think the guitars tried to save it, but it didn't. I actually like this one. Oh my God. You just <laughs> like it, says you rock me in some weird letters because you don't know how to spell. That's why. Mr. Philby, I won't allow it. You're not eligible in any fashion, way, shape, or manner. Page
1: 39 of the Golden Quill National Spelling Bee Rulebook. This is rule number 24. This is subpoint B. This is a quote. Speller must not have passed beyond the 8th grade on or before February 1st, 2011. That is a rule written by the Governing Institute. And if you want, you can continue to ogle my transcript. Just please don't wrinkle it any further. But you can see there, unfortunately, I have not passed the eighth grade on or before february 1st not ever that may be but But, sir i can go on i can go on and on and on there are 83 paragraphs 581 lines of rules in the rule book but let me assure you i'm compliant with every single one of them
6: the spelling bee is meant for kids not adults that, that that couldn't even graduate the eighth grade
1: oh are we past the rules and into the insults now? Is it insult well, I'm time? Sorry, because your potholder vest is about to take pot heavy holder. fire. You Ready Look, for that?
6: You know what? Enough. This is all just a moot point. Every contestant must be sponsored by a nationally recognized news service. Mm, the end.
1: I understand. That doesn't end the conversation. Guess what? Hello? Why? Hey. Perfect timing. What's going on over here? Well, this is my sponsor from a nationally recognized news service. Jenny Widgeon, the click and scroll. The what?
6: What's that? Is something on the computer? Yes, for an online paper.
1: Said differently, a nationally recognized news service. They don't want to let me participate.
4: <sighs> <laughs> I think I like the groove and the feel of this song, though. So, yeah, the the, the title is kind of dub, uh, and I didn't think twice about that. Uh, other than that that's sort of cheesy but whatever i mean it's three minutes and 33 seconds i i just i like the groove and feel of the song overall
6: no matter what you breathe it's where we at we're more Me like a shot, come and shake me to the ground. Uh Shock. Shock. in the darkness, I saw the light, the sorest eyes, the sharpest sight, a supernova, a black hole. Took out my senses, I took complete control.
4: I think I understand why I like these tunes, because this guitar was kind of meh for me. SOS Emergency picked it up, so I ended up thinking that that was a decent, catchy tune. Liquid Dust brings it down for me. Meh. Didn't like the course. And then You Rock Me, I actually liked. So see how it's working out? Like, they put some shit in front of me, and it's shitty, so I'll accept anything that's after that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we get to the middle of the record, a song goodbye for good this time. And, uh, I was telling somebody, oh yeah, we're going to review Halos. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, when you listen to this song, goodbye, something, it sounds a lot like ELO. And I'm like, oh no, I really don't like ELO. So I'm like, oh, here we go. So the orchestration comes and I'm like, oh boy. And I'm like, if you're trying to write another love bites, Joe, just, you missed. The chorus was good. The acoustic guitar solo was good, but the song is just, it's just too much. And I'd rather have too much with the backing vocals, the big stuff that they used to do with the melodies versus like a bunch of like orchestration. That's just my two cents.
4: All right, well, I got a lot of notes for this one. This is their big epic tune, right, with all the orchestration and everything. And somebody mentioned ELO. I think they got this song confused with another one coming up because there's another one coming up that definitely is ELO-ish. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But my notes on this one, are you ready? This is a bit of a novel, but (laughs) UGGGG, exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it was that bad. The acoustic guitar solo was great. Oh, my God. I'm just, I'm so freaking over it. (laughs) It's just, I just stop, stop.
6: Someone How many chances came when tomorrow?
0: See, this is why that listener gave us a one-star review and says, why do you guys review albums you don't like? I liked you, Rock Me. <laughs> <laughs> that's why That's why I
4: also shouted back at that guy. You got to listen to the whole episode. <laughs> who, who in their right mind likes every last thing they listen to anyway? I, I like Def Leppard enough to dedicate a whole year to reviewing their records. My goodness.
0: They're a top 10 band for me, for God's sakes. (laughs) All right. So ninth song on the record. Yes, we got 15. So strap in here. All we need. So at the beginning of the song, I'm like, okay, this feels hysteria. I can get into this. In the end, the song plods along a little bit, but the song was good. And to me, now I got another Def Leppard great chorus, which I was happy that they were kind of back at it again.
4: Yeah, so I think we are absolutely on the same page with this song. In fact, my comments are almost going to mirror your comments in a different way. I put, it reminds me of Animal. So there you go. There's your hysteria thing. And I said, it's not bad. It's a pretty decent tune. But I'm agreeing with you 100% in that it sort of plods along. I think probably they could have cut and trimmed some fat off this song, because it is fairly long, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the songs on the record at 446. But yeah, it just, it sort of reminded me of Animal. Did you get that at all? Yeah,
0: yeah, a little bit.
6: to be true. You gotta dance just like there's no one watching. So come on, kick off your shoes. We got a good thing going. So don't let it die.
0: 10th song, Open Your Eyes. All right, so you you get this, like, fuzz distortion, a little funk at the beginning, and it kind of goes through the song, which is kind of cool. Joe's vocals and the verses, a little more subdued, but I like that it was that way, so you could kind of build into the chorus a little bit. So overall, the song was good. I thought it was one of the basically middle-of-the-road songs on this album, but overall, I, I did like the song. I put the chorus
4: okay, but the song was a bit boring for me. Uh, so I don't know, at some point it sort of loses me, but I do feel like the course was pretty good. The greatest example for the entire
2: record, really, is the song Open Your Eyes. He sent me this, like, a minute ten riff. He said, I've been out and bought a bass, and he was messing with the bass, and he came up with a bass lick. Then he put some guitars over that, and that's pretty much all it was at the time. So I woke up to this. He was asleep. I'm listening to it going, yeah, there's something there, but I need a a verse thing. So I sent him an email back. Can you jangle those chords instead of just blaring them out really loud? So he did. And he came up with this fantastic jangle. I mean, it's just beautiful, which is the verses. And then the the heavy part became like the chorus, if you like. So me and Ronan spoke while he was asleep, glued it together. Then when it got to the end of the second chorus, I had this epiphany of a middle eight. So I got my phone out and hit my voice memo recorder and played the chords on an acoustic guitar, made sure that they worked. I then sent that recording to Ronan, who, again, Phil's still asleep. I said, Ronan, cut a 16-bar block into the song after the second chorus and put these chords in. So he programmed a bass. He played some rough guitars, sent it back to me within the hour. I sang my bits over the top sent them back to Ronan to edit into the file. Then we had this rough demo of the song, which then goes to Phil, he wakes up to it, and it's pretty much a complete song minus his solos, if it got the approval of, of you know, as a song, you know, all the parts. (laughs)
0: 11th song, give me a kiss. Well, give me a kiss is more like it. So I'm like, all right, minute it started. I'm like, all right, we got classic Def Leppard right here. This song would absolutely go off great live. I can see every 50, 60 sixty-year-old woman shaking their ass to this song. Definitely in my Def Leppard bang zone. I thought this was one of the top three songs of the album. Wow. You really like this tune. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I had to say.
4: I like this song as well. But what I was referencing earlier, I could really sort of do without all the ELO effects. There's a lot of ELO effects in, I think it's part of the course. I, I can't remember uh, exactly, but it's got like that uh, voice box synthesizer thing going on that elo uses a lot throughout a lot of their songs and so i thought maybe that the guy you talked to was mixing this song up with the goodbye for good this time i don't know but yeah overall i kind of dig this song
0: Twelfth song on the album angels can't help you now really this thing should be named angels can't help me now because (laughs) another ballad orchestration they're trying to write another two steps behind and they missed because the backing vocals are there but besides that i guess you could say they've written this song before it's just worse than what they've written before i said meh I'm a man
4: of many words. <laughs> <laughs> Meth being one that I use a lot. Four minutes of 57 seconds of God dang it. Can this song get over so I can move on to the next one.
6: It's a slow news day. But it's gonna happen anyway. Lock it up in a key, A truth we'll never see is just thrown away. Hidden from us every day. A secret that just has to be is buried on page 33. Another deadline lost Another promise gone at any cost You can't see the damage done A battle never won If only you could see Your fingerprints all over me Savaged by your poison Love
0: So we get to the 13th song and the title says lifeless featuring Allison Krauss. So I was so smitten with this guitar. I'm like, all right, we got Alison Krauss again. I can handle this. And again, the two of them sound great together. Duets like this work when the song is good. This song is not good. This guitar is 20,000% better than this song. And when the song's not good, it does not matter how talented the singers are. It doesn't work. And we've seen this, like Mike Reno and Wilson. Remember that song they did for whatever movie that was? It was awesome. But if they would have done some shitty song, it doesn't matter how good they are.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, The first time I went through this record, I listened to it on a road trip. So I had all the time in the world. I was in the car, put it on, I think, the day it got released and just sat with it while I was driving. My attention span basically just really started to go down somewhere around the 10th or 11th song. And there's 15 songs on this record. And that's why I said, man, this record is just way too freaking long because there are probably half of these songs that literally could just never be played again and I could care less. But there are eight songs on this record that I think if you put them in the right order would make for a pretty decent album. My comments were a little better than meh, which isn't saying a whole lot. It's just, I went from angels, which I felt like was just really blah to lifeless and okay. It's a little bit better than angels, but not much. Yeah. And so it really didn't do anything for me.
0: All right. Two songs left. Unbreakable is next. And I'm like, all right. So we got some rock guitar again. That's cool. Like the start stops in the verses. I like Joe's vocal in the verses, which I'll say it again. Joe sounds good on this record, right? There's some melodies he's singing that were a little whiny, but besides that, he sounds good on the album. I didn't love the chorus on this song though, but I did love the guitar solo. So overall it's a listenable song. I just wish the chorus was a little better. So I don't know why it hit me on this song in
4: particular, because it's certainly not the first time they've done this. And uh, it's, you know, I understand certain aspects of why they do it. But I said, this song's not bad, but why? Why do we keep on insisting on using this electronic drum sound? I get that your drummer might have some challenges. I get that. But it just seems like the drum sound is becoming more and more electronic, and they stick to that. And so my comments are, are you a rock band or not? If you're not a rock band, then fine. Say you're not a rock band, but I know that you feel like you're a rock band. If you asked Def Leopard, were they a rock band, they'd tell you yes. So it's just, I don't know. I don't even care at this point, like, if you got to bring in a session player to get a more
0: natural sound on a record, then try that. Yeah, there's been plenty of uh, bands that have a session drummer do the recording, but then their drummer goes on tour with them.
4: That happens all the time. You understand what I'm talking about, right? Yeah,
0: Def Leppard can do a lot. Rick is limited in what he can do. They have survived by using electronic drums to make up the difference, and it's just not the same sound.
6: I'm heading for a There's a hurricane coming my way Can't hold me down forever So cut me loose before I fade away I'm not ready for judgment day This ain't no make-believe, but I should have listened to my heart this time. Cause I can barely breathe, my pulse is racing like the sea of a crime. So good it can't be legal, so dangerous and lethal. And you know it, good love's so hard to find. So out these flames of love could set this house on fire so come on take a chance
4: Well, and it just seems like to me, like there have been flashes where I know that Rick Allen can play straight up, you know, whatever triggers and they make it sound more natural. But they keep going back to this electronic sound. And to me, like songs like this that I halfway like takes away from that a little bit to me personally. Yeah. Like, if you know, it's more straight ahead. So I know you can do it because you've done it since he's lost his arm so why do we keep going back to this electronic sound that's that's what i don't get maybe he's not available in the studio and so they use a drum machine instead on that particular day i don't know but i don't like it
0: (laughs) (laughs) well talking about i don't like it the last (laughs) song from here to eternity god forbid we don't get an epic fucking closer but good lord just close with a rocker. This song was long, drug out, and basically I can sum it up in one word for you, Rick Savage, writing the song. Yuck.
4: <laughs> okay. So it's no surprise at all to me that Sonny hates this song, and here's why he hates it, and I'm not disagreeing. Because it sucks. <laughs> Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you. It sucks, but that's... <laughs> Sonny's not a Beatles fan to begin with. He doesn't like the Beatles. He's made this a point. I know it. He knows it. It is what it is. So my notes to Rick Savage on this is really, dude, your ode to the Beatles, Abbey Road. Stop. Just stop. Stop it. No need to continue to drag this out. Five minutes and 37 seconds of just... I don't know. There's a lot of Beatles Abbey Road in this song and not necessarily in a good way. I just don't need this song at all on the record. And there's more that I don't need either. But yeah, this is a a big thud. or give me a kiss for me personally, it's hard for me to get through the rest of the record because at this point you're already, what, 50 minutes in, 45, 48 minutes in. So you've already given 48 minutes to this album. And now you want me to sit through the rest of this very meh when my notes are meh and a little better than meh. Come on.
0: (laughs) All right. So that's the 61 minutes, 27 seconds of Diamond Star Halo's We always do a best two, worst two. I'll go first. The worst two, I could have picked a lot, but I went with Liquid Dust and From Here to Eternity. Those two are, yeah, bad. The best two, I actually went to three because I really liked Take What You Want. I thought that was a great song. And I really liked Give Me a Kiss. But man, neither one of those two songs touched this guitar. That song, I went back and listened to it over and over and over. And I'm telling you. When Don Henley and Patti Smythe came out with that song, Sometimes Love Just Ain't Enough, I have probably heard that song 2,000 times. So it just totally made me feel like that song. It didn't have the same words and the same lyrics and the same meaning. It was the feel of how these two were doing it, and it just completely connected for some reason with me. You've just become C.J. Vanston's best friend. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and we don't know who that
4: is either. But <laughs> all right. So my favorite, too, definitely my favorite, without a doubt, is "Take What You Want." I think that song is awesome uh, and killer for me. My second favorite song. That's really tough.
0: It's not supposed to be that hard out of 15 Yeah,
4: I I don't know. There's certain things that I like about Kick and certain things I like about Fired Up, but there's also certain things I don't like about it. And I don't necessarily like everything from the tunes that I like. So I'm going to go with Kick just because I feel like it's sort of catchy. Uh, So the first two songs are my favorite. The least favorite two songs? (laughs) Where do you want me to start? Okay. From here to eternity, I think is a safe bet. That one's okay. Go ahead and throw that in there. You make a good point about liquid dust, but since you pick that, I'm gonna pick yeah, I'm gonna pick angels. <laughs> I don't like that tune at all. And at least uh, lifeless is a little better than meh. <laughs> 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 so so that's it. But I mean I stand by my my thought is that I bet I can pick eight decent songs from this record. And if they were put in the right order, it would make for a pretty decent record at what thirty thirty five minutes maybe to me that's great i mean that's that's a throwback to the early eighties. The record was thirty five minutes in and out, you know, eight decent tunes. nothing wrong with that. There's no reason to put fifteen songs on a record just because you can. you don't have to yeah all right, so let's
0: connect it to kiss. You the kiss.
3: Yes! It's time for your kiss moment on Growing Up Rock.
0: So for the historic moment, since some of this album made us sick, and some of this album is beautiful, we <laughs> went with a band called Sick and Beautiful. So if you've never heard about them, founded in 2013 in Rome, Italy, they're basically like a shock rock type of band, industrial rock almost. They sound like if you threw Kiss, Rob Zombie, Ramstein, No Doubt, um, Nine Inch Nails, and Alice Cooper into a Blender. That's basically what these guys sound like. They released a new album this year called Starstruck. It's an interesting album if you want to give it a shot. But they have a Kiss song that they did. So here is Lobo on Guitar. Rev C2 on guitar, Evie on drums, Big Daddy Ray on bass, and Herma, she's a female, on vocals with their rendition of the Kiss classic, God of Thunder.
4: My name is Big Daddy Steve, but I feel like I should be Hobo instead of Lobo.
0: <laughs> yeah, you look like Hobo <laughs> instead of Lobo, so there you go.
4: Why don't we have some crazy names on our podcast? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I always find these cool names. I wish I could I wish I could sit there with those names. Yeah, I, I, I kinda liked it. I mean I think Sick and Beautiful is an interesting band. Uh, I've watched videos before. I think they have some interesting stuff on their record. I don't love everything that I've heard from them, but uh, as covers go, I think this is fun and
0: interesting and heavy and psychotic all at the same time. And they're kind of going after that a little bit. Like if you go to their website, it's like we landed on this planet, our ship broke down and we're trying to make enough money to get our ship fixed and we're from this planet and earth is very interesting and we're in Rome, but we've seen other places. It's like, it's just, they're trying to tell a story, make a movie. Like they're trying to get a little Rob Zombie into it a little bit and have a little bit of a ghost feel to it too. And have a little bit of a Lordy type feel to it. It's interesting. It's interesting stuff. Very, very visual. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. All right. Well, that's,
4: wow. Wow. That's a year complete, and that's how we ended is with Diamond Star Halos. Now, we still have a little surprise for all you people out there that pushed us into it. We have a little bit of a bonus episode coming up for you. And then we still have our Def Leppard album rankings episode, and that will basically finish off everything. But this is the last of the album reviews, 12 albums starting in January, one each month. It's been fun. Def Leopard for me, I know Sonny doesn't feel this way, but Def Leopard for me came along at a very crucial time in my life, right? 82, 83, right in and around there where hard rock is really starting to become a big thing for me. On those first three records alone, they catapulted themselves into the top 10 for me of bands. And over the course of everything after Pyromania, I think each record delivers a gem or two on it, but you know, a lot of it is just doesn't necessarily work for me. They just kind of became something that they weren't in the beginning, which is, you know, Bon Jovi a lot like that as well. So I accept them for what they are and I keep going back to
0: uh, the same catalog, which is those first three records for me. Yeah. It's kind of a, It's kind of a double-edged sword. You brought up Bon Jovi, you brought up Def Leppard. They never stopped releasing albums, right? So you could probably say the same. Let's say if Kiss releases Revenge, they release Carnival of Souls, and they keep releasing records in the 90s into the 2000s, people would have been over and over and over saying, that's not Detroit Rock City, that's not Love Gun, that's not Take Me, that's not Come On and Love Me. But instead, they basically put out four records in 22 years. And they're just kind of sprinkled in. So nobody even knows they even exist really. and Nobody cares because the four original aren't doing it. So anytime somebody brings up the records, whatever, the last great record was Revenge. And they go back to 91. If these guys would have only put out three or four albums since Adrenalize, you would kind of hear the same thing. It's like, oh, they were pop metal at Adrenalize and yeah, they released a few albums later. It's no big deal, but they've released uh, several albums, right? So they're kind of taking a punch in the head for being creative. And going with the times, if Jovi stops releasing albums in 95 and then comes with a country album in 2018, everybody would be like, ah, he's just older now, whatever. Take it back to the 90s. He'd be fine. But he kind of evolved into that and lost some of our us rockers along the way, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, the one thing that you can say about Def Leppard and Bon Jovi is this. They've gained new fans. I mean, they're playing arenas and they're playing stadiums. And yes, they're on a bill with three other big bands. So I get that. But, you know, they're still playing big places. And they're not doing that simply because of pyromania and hysteria. I think that they're gaining new fans because if you go and look at the demographic, Maybe 70% are people of our age, but I guarantee you that there are a younger generation that are part of that crowd. So something they're doing, they're doing it right, whether you like it or not. They're doing their job because their job is they're artists, they're musicians, and a musician's job as an artist is to create and put out music. So that's what they're doing. And I don't think that they're making albums really for anybody but themselves, to be honest. Especially nowadays, they don't report to a record company. They basically create an album and put it up for bid for whatever record company wants to put it out. This record came about because they were all creating on their own uh, during COVID. And I think when they came together, they felt like they had enough songs for a record. And so that's what they did. Uh, but that was my understanding from listening to some of the interviews with Joe Elliott and Phil Collins. Yeah, it makes complete sense. All right. Well, that's it. That's a wrap. And in the immortal words of Joe Elliott, it's better to burn out than fade away. And so this band is not fading away yet, at least. They're putting out records. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the Def Leppard series. That's it. See you later.
3: Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. got a rock and roll story to tell and we want to hear yours so go to our website at growinguprock.com that's one word g-r-o-w-i-n-u-p-r-o-c-k.com or visit us on our facebook page at growing up rock and tell us all about it
7: it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football